Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of X-Man the Phantom podcast. This episode, we're concentrating specifically on collectibles. Um, As always, I've got Jermaine Parker here with me. How are you, Jermaine? Not bad yourself, Mike. I'm pretty good. And um, for the first time on X-Man, we have special special, uh, guest who's going to put both Jermaine and I to shame in the collection stakes, John Cookson. How are you, John? Uh, Yeah, good, thanks. That's the way. So, um, when we have someone on for the first time, we always get them to tell us a little bit how they, about how they got into the Phantom and um, what it is about the character that they enjoy. So, could you give us your origin story of being a Phantom fan? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess um, it probably started in the uh, in the late seventies. Um, I sort of used to read a, a few different comics back then. Um, Commando Comics was was one, and uh, a few of the the DC and Marvel reprints of the late seventies, early eighties. Um, we used to go to the some, you know mum and dad would take us to the book exchange, and we sort of every couple of months we'd come out with a with a big bag full of comics. And um, I sort of read a lot of different titles, like I said, Commando Comics, Phantom, um, and Batman. You know the the, the reprints. Um, I guess I sort of um, Moved away from it a little bit in my teen years, um, and it was back in about 1994 where I was sharing a house with a few mates, and uh, and a bloke brought over another box of Phantom comics, and I just sort of devoured them within about a week, and that was it. I was back into it. So um, yeah, 19, about 1994, I, you know, I started going to book exchanges again, and and because uh, back before the internet and and um, eBay and those sorts of things. You know, I was fairly limited where you could find fandom comics. Um, I found John Henderson's Club um, on the back, you know, of the comics, and uh, and uh, sort of bought everything I could from there. It was probably the last couple of years that the club was actually going before it folded. But, so, uh, so was that the um, the official? I think it was called the official Phantom Fan Club of Australia. Well, it, it had changed at that time. It was um, it was a club that that John had started back in the eighties in Brisbane, um, in Cooparoo. Mm-hmm. And he moved it up to the Sunshine Coast, and I think there were some issues there. And it, it was known then as the uh, unofficial Phantom Club of Australia. Oh, okay. Uh, that, that only sort of lasted for a couple of years, but you know, 95, 90, yeah, 95, I think. And uh, like the official club then started in Melbourne. So um, unfortunately, Hendo's club sort of faded into the background. But uh, that, I guess that was probably the start of the. The serious collecting side of things, um, yeah, and I haven't sort of stopped since then. Oh, cool. Well, so, sorry, um, were the were the two clubs going at the same time for one period of time? Uh it's, it's probably a little bit hazy, but uh, I would think so. Yeah, it was, you know, it was sort of a crossover. Um, I think it was more more just um, John winding down the uh, the unofficial club, um, you know, selling. Sort of what he still had on hand and those sorts of things, uh, but but uh, you know formally I don't think it was op- operating at that time. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, like I said, this episode is all about collecting, so I thought um, a good thing to start off with would be for us to each talk about what we're currently collecting in regards to the fandom, whether it be comics or special um, types of collectibles. Uh, so, Jermaine, do you want to go first on this one? Explain to us what it is you're currently trying to fill your collection of. 
Okay, um, what am I trying to currently collect? I am trying to collect a Phantom comic from every uh, country that has published them um, throughout the, what is it, about the 70, 80 years. Um, so through my research, I found about, I think it's about 40 or 50, and to this date, I have five more countries I need to get. Um, that's whether it's been published as just as a backup or... Or what? It, um, or a standalone comic series. So that's probably my main goal. Mm-hmm. Is getting uh, a comic from every country. It's just it was just something I started probably about uh, probably about maybe six years ago. And um, uh, yeah, it's it's been quite it's been fun trying to find comics from around the world. And you know, you're learning a lot about the history of not only the fandom in that country, but also you know that country's comic scene as well um so but the seeing of i'm down to the last couple it's quite hard um and so at the moment i'm really just i'm still trying to find those but i'm also like just focusing on um uh on other stuff just more like three uh, just more like memorabilia type of stuff you know stuff that you can display and all that um but yeah i, I found that you kind of have to um especially if you've got limited funds, you know, just having a baby and building a house and stuff, you you almost have to have something to solely focus on. Otherwise, you just kind of buy everything and, yeah. and get in trouble with it. It's just that way. <laughs> so what are the uh, five countries that you still need to get issues from? Okay, so the five countries is Slovakia, Slovenia, uh, South Africa, Papua New Guinea and Fiji. So if there's anyone out there that, you know... Um, has one of those and they're not very interested in it or, or they want to work out a deal with me or something, please <laughs> contact me because, um, yeah, that's kind of... It's it's a bit of an addiction trying to find, you know, comics from that, co- you know, from that country and it can get quite um, disheartening when you, when you don't get... when you don't find something. Yeah, I could imagine. Um, so, John, you've got quite an impressive collection... Um, is there anything you're currently after at all, or are you kind of happy with what you've got? Uh, I'm pretty happy with what I've got, but I, I guess I could say that I'm trying to focus on one or two things, but in reality it's probably everything that comes along. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the moment, though, I guess I'm, I'm really like the uh, the covers that... Um, Fratelli Sparta covers from the 60s in Italy and France, um, the painted covers by Mario Correa. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to, trying to uh, you know, complete my collection of, of the Super Elbow issue and uh, probably the special uh, Lee Phantom issues at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, sort of, you know, there's so much good stuff coming out at the moment. Like we've had a, a drought in Australia for, you know, for a long time, and then all of a sudden we're getting all this. All this really nice uh, stuff with statues and the, uh, you know, the coffee mugs and and bobbleheads and stuff. So it's really good. So it's pretty hard for a fan of fan at the moment not to, um, not to be sort of looking at everything, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Actually, yeah, it's, definitely. It's um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's it's interesting you just mentioned the coffee mug because um, the coffee mug that was originally um, supposed to come out about a month or so after the Icon Collectible statue, has, which was the end of last year, has finally come out this month, um, just in the last two weeks. 
and it's quite a nice mug. So if anyone did order that, they should be getting it very soon. Um, Jermaine got very angry at me because I opened mine, took it out of the box, but <laughs> oh well. You can open the box without damaging it, so that's a good. <laughs> no, you buy two then. Oh, come on. Well, you were just talking about people with limited funds, and you're talking about buying two. <laughs> right, well, well, if you're going to open one, you have to buy two, because you can't open one, because you'll be kicking yourself in 10 years' time saying, oh, I wish I brought two. Now, we'll see, you can open it and put it on display, but you don't have to use it, because the box will still be in good condition, because you can open the box without damaging it. So. Did you see that um, that video on Facebook uh, this week or something where a guy actually um, tested where the the heat mug where it actually changes colour and that? No, I didn't see that. Where it's so it, so he poured in the hot water or whatever it was, yep. and what is it? It's the is it the skull mark at the start, and uh, when you pour in the hot water, it becomes the good mark. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 It was quite it was quite cool how it um how it changed in front of you. Oh, nice. I'll have to um, try and find that. Cool. Well, um, as for myself, I'm kind of uh, collecting mostly memorabilia. Uh, there is a few comics I'm still after, mostly through issues to replace ones that have been bashed around over the years. Um, but comics, I feel that I'm pretty much um, done with at the moment, except for you know new stuff that comes out. So I'm mostly after uh, memorabilia. So my Big love at the moment is the statue. So the Icon Collectible statue was um, a very nice thing to add to my collection. Uh, I, I quite like statues because unlike um, action figures, although action figures are cool, you have a very nice solid uh, item that you can display. They always look good. They don't tend to fall over, which um, action figures do. They don't seem to be able to make action figures that stand up on their own. Um, and, of course, we haven't got very many Phantom action figures except for that horrible thing that came out for the movie. So um, I, I, I'm looking at statues and that sort of thing at the moment, but a lot of those are quite expensive. Um, other than that, just kind of things that I find interesting and a bit quirky, like um, the Phantom Lolly Jar, which has a plasticky rubber bust of the Phantom on top of it. Um, I'd love to get a set of the Phantom Swimming Goggles, but I've only seen them a couple of times on eBay and they are a little bit um, too expensive for me. Apart from that, though, the one thing, and Jermaine knows about this because I'm always bugging him about it, um, that I am constantly after is anything related to Phantom 2040, and I sadly missed out on one of those items this week, so... That was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, that stuff's, that stuff's gone really expensive. It has. I can't believe how much it goes for. Just for people that um, might be interested, there was a Phantom 2040 uh, Whistle Torch, it was called. Uh, basically, it's a yellow and purple torch-like um, item. I actually thought when I first saw it, it was supposed to be the inductance rope that he uses in the cartoon, but apparently, no, it's just a torch. Um so it's literally a bit of plastic. I don't know if it lights up. I assume it would, being a torch, um, but I'm not certain because I've never seen one in the flesh. But anyway, it ended up going for about $65, which is ridiculous. Um, there's also been toy guns. Again, mostly they're in a uh, purple and yellow color, and I've seen those go for as much as 80 uh, $85. So, yeah, the 2040 stuff seems to be... 
I'm not sure if it's desirable for a lot of people, but when it does appear, it seems to go for premium prices, which is quite interesting. John's probably got about three copies of them all. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, not quite, mate. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it, they've always been very difficult to to, uh, to come by, the Phantom 2040 items. Um, that torch there, there's actually two variations of that. There's one with the, the black skull on the... Um, on the front of it, and there's also one with a white skull. So there's a colour uh, variation in the in the skull. Um, oh, that's interesting. So when you turn it on, does it project like an image of a skull, basically like the bat symbol, but with a skull? That's um, I've never taken it out of the packet. <laughs> well, fair enough. I thought of, it might have explained it on the packaging, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and. Uh, so, so there's five different, um, from memory, there's five different um, toys, like Rack Pack toys, mm-hmm. and 2040, but there's, with that variation in the in the torch, it makes it six, I guess. Wasn't there also a series of little PVC figures? I think there was the Phantom Garan uh, DVL. I think there was a fourth one. I'm sure I remember yeah, seeing Yeah, there's, um, who's the, who's the robot dude? Oh, Graft. Yeah, that's right, yeah. They're from Germany, actually. Yeah, I saw them at um, the very first comic convention I ever went to, and that guy who ran, I think it was Phantom Mania in the US, yep. um, he actually had some stuff there. Um, I'm not sure if it was actually him in the stall or whether he'd sent some stuff over, and I inquired about the price, um, and they were very, very expensive. I can't remember the exact cost, but I remember thinking, there is no way I can afford that, especially at, I don't know, 15 or whatever I was at the time. Um so, yeah. yeah, I've only seen them on eBay a couple of times. Yeah, I've seen them very rarely. And there's a um, like an inflatable, oh, I don't know if it's inflatable, but a, a beach ball type thing as well, isn't there? Uh, yes, it's um, it's like a little, um, you know, children's ball sort of thing. It's just, um, you know, those ones that you find at Woolies. And actually, this, when they first came out, they are in that same um, bins, those, that big W or Target where you have those children's um, balls. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were, they were sort of readily available through there. Wow. I, rem- I know there was a few um, clothing things as well, and there's costumes and stuff like that too. So there's a little bit out there, but it, like we say, it very rarely appears, yeah. which is a shame. And, of course, the brilliant Mega Drive game, but don't get me started on that because I won't shut up. Um, <laughs> so having spoken about what we're actually collecting would you guys like to go through what maybe your favourite three items in your collection are? Um, John, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Um, it's, look, it's, uh, it's very hard to... <laughs> sort of... Well, you can, you can go five if you want, seeing your yeah. collection's that <laughs> impressive. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it just it sort of constantly changes. Like, um, you'll, you'll find something on eBay that you've never seen before or you, you've never... Um, have heard of, you know, um, in any publication or like Johnson's Guide or anything like that. And, um, yeah, there's been a few of them lately that um, there was a a um, um, Slim Jims packet, it's called. And from what I gather, Slim Jims are, um, are like um, beef jerky, you know, those like a salami stick sort of things. Oh, yeah, oh, yep, okay. I know what you mean. So, um, it's from the 60s and it's got some... Um, King features characters on it, Popeye and, and uh, the Phantoms on it. So that's probably one of my favourite things at the moment. Um, 
also I picked up a um, King Features pencil cut um, from the 50s um, recently. I've been chasing that since I first saw it in about 1997 and um, lucky enough it just came up only in the last two months and it actually came with the original box. Oh, wow. The oh, wow. box is actually, um, it's actually a Christmas present or like a Christmas gift from King Features, um, obviously to their clients sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a photograph of the pencil cup on the front of the box. Um, the fan appears on the rim um, of the pencil cup along with you know, other King Features characters. So, um, yeah, it's, it's got uh, uh, Christmas greetings, I think, from memory on it. So... It's a, it's a really nice item, and I'm, I'm pretty happy to have that at the moment. But um, uh, other than that, I guess there's a couple of um, Leaf Fork items that I've got. Um, um, I think, Joe, you've probably spoken before about Ed Rose and, and uh, how good he was to, to a lot of fan and, um, people from around the world. Mm-hmm. So I, I was lucky enough to get uh, one or two pages of script, too, from, from Lee's typewriter. So that's, uh, that's up there. Um, um, also, I um, um, did some um, dealing with, with Arthur Felbo, who who's, was married to Valerie Fork, and um, he ha- he offered some stuff on eBay there about five years ago. So I bought a few items off him, and, and he sent me over a um, it's a, a pinback badge, and it's actually from um, there's a convention, a convention in the US for Don Newton. Oh wow! Don Newton Phantom badge. And uh, he, he wrote a little note that it said this came from Lee's jewelry box. So I was uh, I'm pretty happy to have that too. So um, uh, there's there's plenty of things I could probably talk all night, but yeah, uh, you know there's there's some of the favourites at the moment, I guess. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, like you say, Ed Rhodes was very very generous with fans. I um, was able to get him a few uh, annuals um, of the fruit annuals, which I sent him sadly just a few months before he, before I was tragically killed. And um, in way of thanks, he sent out um, a leaf, page from uh, a leaf or script, but also um, one of those sort of quirky things that I was saying before that I enjoy a um, promotional sort of like placemat from Subway restaurants, restaurants in inverted commas, that was only apparently ever used in the US chain of Subway, which has um, the Phantom movie poster image on one side, and then on the other side, it's got a whole bunch of, like, puzzles. So you've got a dot-to-dot, uh, um, a maze, a find a word, and one of those things where you've got to follow the line that leads from an image to um, a destination. So in this case, you've got the Phantom, Devil, and Diana, and you've got to figure out which one of them is going to Subway. <laughs> which is kind of cool. I'd, I'd never, ever, ever seen that before. Um, so, yeah, it was very cool to to get that. So, yeah, it's one of those weird, quirky things. You didn't, yeah. you didn't draw on that, I hope, did you? <laughs> no, I did not draw on that. I actually um, had a moment of insanity and thought about laminating it, but, no, I didn't do that either. So <laughs> it's all good. Um, Subway um, actually offered a few things during the movie. There's a... Um their, their staff had a, a, a phantom badge um, and they had like a, what was called a tabletop tent, which is just like a little cardboard um, 
um, sort of advert as well that sat on the table. So they had the, the tabletop tent and, the, like you said, Joe, the, um, you know, the, the piece of paper that you could draw on and play games and stuff like that. Yep. And there's also a Subway, um, there's a Subway movie poster as well. Oh, wow, um, really? The Billy Zane poster, yeah. There's a, there's yeah, there was one on eBay just recently. Yeah, with a Subway logo on it. So Sub- Subway actually come to the party for the movie. They were, they were really involved in it in oh, the US. That's great. I know um, in Australia when the movie came out, I think it was oh, Hungry, Jack. I, Hungry Jack's. I was going to say Burger King, but yeah, Hungry Jack's had the little plastic belt buckle. Um, did Was there anything else in Australia? The glow and dark ring, the belt buckle and the mask, I believe. Oh, okay. So I've, I've only ever seen the um, belt buckle, which I do have in my collection. Um, I didn't realise they did the other two as well. That's yeah, there any others, John? Uh, no, that was the only, the only toys. But there's a, um, there's like a poster as well that used that you know went up in the in the store display, and mm-hmm. um, like a couple of different um, display cards, I guess you call them, that went on the countertop. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What well, one thing I would love to have just while we're on the subject of the movie is um, one of those big. They they were about. I know four foot, maybe three foot. I might be remembering it wrong, wrong because I was younger at the time when the movie came out. But it was one of those big cardboard standy things of the Skull Cave, and um, I remember the one at the local cinema got destroyed because all the kids would be climbing in and out of it and stuff. I wonder if any of those still exist. I would, I would imagine they would get a fair bit of punishment sitting in cinema um, lobbies and so forth. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't think there'd be too many from the cinemas. Um, if you were lucky enough to sort of score one from the from the distributor, you'd be you'd be pro- pretty right. Yeah. Well, yeah. you don't have one. No, mate. I, I've got the I've got the standee, but um, I know what Joe's talking about. They and they they actually packed away neatly into a box. Yeah. But um, there wasn't too many of them that made it to Australia. That a lot of in the US theaters, I believe. Oh, really? Because I, um, when I said the local cinema at the time, it was an hour's drive away, which um, was in Maitland, New South Wales. And that was a fairly regional cinema, so I'm surprised that it had one if they were somewhat yeah. rare in, in Australia. You, know, you rarely see them come up, you know, for sale sort of thing these days. Yeah. <laughs> Another funny thing about the, the movie is, you know, there was the two posters, the Slam Evil one, which, of course, was the main poster, and then the... um. Ghost Who Walks, which is, I think most, one. Yeah, yeah, which I think most people consider to be the better of the two. Um, I have the uh, the Ghost Who Walks poster, and I have not been able to find an affordable copy of the Slam Evil one. Every time I see it, it's quite expensive, and it's always struck me as strange that the sort of less known poster of the two is the easier one to track down. But maybe I'm just having bad luck. When um. When though I was up in uh, growing up in Jordan when the movie came out, I'd just become a fan, and I think I was what in year seven or something, so I couldn't afford much. But um, they uh, Granny Mays had all their stuff going at that time. Oh yep. And so Granny Mays actually had a little like a little display box thing, which they had displayed all their phantom merchandise. And all the other movie tie-ins in the glass display. And I remember, you know, just as, as, as kids and all that, um, there was about four or five of us, and we were just, you know, drooling over this display box. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, John, you were saying earlier that, you know, there's been a bit of a drought 
um, as far as fandom merchandise is concerned here in Australia. And it's interesting you say that because previously um, when Jermaine and I were discussing, you know, doing a collectibles episode for the podcast, we, we actually said, you know, at the moment, um, we've probably got more Furnum Phantom merchandise than we have had since the movie came out. Because like Jermaine says, you had all that stuff at Granny Mays and the um, fast food change were cashing in on it. And I remember a lot of um, newspapers as well. Uh, the Sydney Morning Herald and the Newcastle Herald uh, both had big double-page supplements. Um, there was a sh- couple of Sydney Morning Herald issues with huge Glenn Ford um, artwork, but printed large so you could use them as posters things like that so yeah it's i think this is the most uh stuff we've had in any one time since the movie came out yeah yeah for sure like um the 90s was unbelievable really and i think it all started when you know jim shepherd um took over the reins of brew there in the late 80s and, and like you know the the, the 1000 issue came out and uh Everything's really just seemed to take off, you know, especially in the, in the early 90s and the early to late 90s, I guess. Um, mm. You know, there's, there's all sorts of great stuff available, shirts and jackets and, you know, ties and waistcoats yeah. and um, boxer shorts and, you know, all the all the scans and products, all the mugs and the key rings and glasses and, um, you know, it was just everywhere. You, you know, you, you'd be spending all your... All your your hard-earned stuff on family collectibles, well, I suppose I was anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, we were still at school and I had pocket money. Yeah, so we yeah. were spending what little we we could afford on it. But yeah, no, you're right. I yeah. was just trying to spend my pocket money to get the comics back then. Forget yeah. about all the memorabilia. I was just struggling just to keep up with the comics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, then I guess it sort of it sort of slowed right up, and there's that you know, well, I suppose five years ago now. Let's. Um, Custom mint put that stuff out, the, the glasses and the and um, um, the beach towel um, and the mouse mats and those sorts of things. But yeah, since you know, other than that, really, there hasn't been a great lot of stuff available in Australia to Australian fans. No, well, well like you say, it started with the um, the one thousandth issue, which was actually, as most people probably know, through number nine hundred and seventy-two. Um, but that came out in 1991, and then, of course, the movie came out in 1996. So, yeah, it was pretty much, like you say, the whole of the 90s, that decade there that we just got heaps and heaps of stuff, which was, was wonderful. So they kind of had the two things that just happened at the same time to really push the, the character out there and the public consciousness, I guess. Yeah. And you had, like, Phantom's Vault when they first came out. Yep. Um uh, and you had America with like their um, DC and Marvel, uh, Phantom Twenty Forty, and all that as well, which is pretty much all around yeah. the same period of time. It's, it's interesting, um, kind of with the American side of things. Um, like I mentioned quickly before, the video game, and I've researched that a bit. It seems a lot of people that would be around our age group, Jermaine, became aware of the Phantom because of Twenty Forty which I find mm. quite interesting. So they've obviously seen that cartoon and gone, oh, this is really cool. I'm going to take this out and gone back and discovered the the original character. So mm. I know there are people that criticise 2040 for various reasons, but it's definitely helped the popularity of the character. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I think the other big thing in the 90s too was um, the internet. I really think, um, you know, around 96 when the movie came out and... Um, 
like the Deep Woods website came on online, and um, then there was places like Phantomania, um, which yep. was Chris, Chris Smith in in California. You know, he was offering stuff worldwide by mail order. Um, yeah. And like his website at the time, like it, you know, it was just incredible. That sort of stuff that that he was offering, and, and like he was. Um, he was actually offering like a mail away catalog as well, sort of thing. So oh, he'd wow. send a, a catalog, in, you know, it'd be, it'd have, oh, you know, 100, 150 items for sale, sort of thing. And that was like every three or four months that would come out. So, um, and he was sourcing stuff from, you know, from everywhere, from South America, Brazil, sort of thing, and Scandinavia. So, um, you're getting all these really cool items that, you know, you'd never seen before. So. And it wasn't, um, wasn't 96 around the time that the, I don't know if it was the first edition or maybe the second edition of the price guide came out as well? Uh, yeah, I think it was the second, wasn't it? I think the first was about 94. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the, the second was 96 and I think the third was 2006. Yeah, it? I'm trying to f- I do have it in my database yeah. here, but I can't quite find it at the moment. So, yeah, that the the price guide coming out and making everyone aware of just how much was out there too probably yeah. spurred things on. <laughs> I guess so, uh, every, time I, every time I hear about the price guide, I always have a bit of a chuckle. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll, get to your, we'll get to your story soon, Jermaine. Yeah, I, guess, I guess the last big thing in the 90s was, um, was eBay, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. And initially, yeah. it, was, it was just you know, from from the US sort of thing, but like Australian buyers could still purchase. So, and that really, I mean, that that was a turning point, and that's changed everything. Mm-hmm. You know, made everything available basically. So, yeah, as long as you've got the money to afford the item and the ridiculous shipping prices, you can pretty much yeah. get the lot. Yeah. Um, well, we've gone a little bit off off topic, but that's fine. So, um, Jermaine, do you want to talk about your favourite uh, your favourite items in your collection? Oh, wow, we really did get off topic, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did, um, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like John, it kind of changes all the time. Um, like when I was actually thinking about this a couple of weeks ago, I had um, uh, uh, I had a different item, but then after I was thinking about it, I thought of something else that I had, which probably was more favourite. So that item is, I've got a, a 19... I think it's a 1948 Cuban um, sticker book. Which I thought you were going to say cigar there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's. Um, I think it was it from 1948, John. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was. It was mid to late 40s, I think, wasn't it? Because it's, it's got Roosevelt and Stalin and those sort of world leaders. There. So 40, maybe 46, 45, 46. Yeah, so it's a um, it's a sticker book that was released in Cuba, um, and like you'd get your little stickers, like what you kind of get today. I think there was um, you know you kind of get them; they're popular today with the kids. But this was a phantom one, um, uh, and there was about three hundred and eight or three hundred and ten um, uh, stickers. The one that I've got's only got a hundred odd stickers, um, but yeah, I, I'm really proud of that. Um, it was actually, I think it was last last year's um, supernova, and it finished at like two o'clock at midnight. And I was determined, no, two o'clock in the morning Sydney time. And I was determined to, I was determined to stay up and keep an eye on it and make sure I wouldn't lose it. Um, 
So, you know, my, my sick wife who's pregnant and is in the hotel room, you know, she's tossing and turning and I'm just keeping an eye on this, on this, on this eBay on. And I ended up, no one else, no one else bid it on it. I ended up getting it for about, you know, about 160 bucks, including shipping. Wow, that's alright. So, um, yeah, and then I was, uh, able to go to, you know, brag to everyone like, uh, John and Paul and everyone else. And they got really <laughs> dirty about me then. <laughs> Your wife must have been so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was actually. Once I told her about how rare it was, either that or she pretends to be interested, but um, yeah. I think that's probably what it is more. Um, <laughs> so that's probably one of my most favourite. The other one would be my, um, Indonesian Phantom Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, they are from the 60s and 70s. There was a, um, a little um, independent printing press um, in north, north of uh, Java, uh, which is east of uh, Jakarta. And they, uh, they released a whole bunch of comics like Superman, Batman, and the Phantom, and Tarzan, and, and, and stuff like that. But what they actually did is they actually created the stories themselves. Like, they got local artists who drew them and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, and so they were, un, you know, they're unlicensed, unsolicited, you know. And there's only, well, I, I've seen, like, six of them throughout, you know, six people who actually got or six copies of different comics that were released and I've got like four of them so um, there's you know they're, they're extremely rare Indonesia did release a couple of other comics but they're a little bit easier to find and these ones are you know really really rare so um, I always get offers from people you know <laughs> wanting to um, uh, you know pick them up and stuff like that um, but um, yeah they're, they're, they're probably one of my other favourites and probably my third one. Um, oh, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, maybe my Phantom Twenty Forty. Sorry, Joe, you're gonna hate this. Yeah. Um, but my Phantom Twenty Forty board game. Right, that's um, it. You're, you're off the podcast, <laughs> <now>, mate. <laughs> but um, that's probably another one of my favourites. Um, I, I guess I guess what makes it a favourite is when you've got a good story to tell about it. Yeah. Um, like this one, the guy was selling it for about three hundred, including shipping, and he had a an offer on it. So I um, offered him about one hundred and fifty, including shipping, and he uh, accepted it. So um, yeah, so I was pretty wrapped about that. And um, yeah, I, not many. I, I know John's got one, and I know um, guy from Canada's got one, but I haven't seen too many others that have got one. So it's um, one of those items that's quite nice. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty wrapped about it. Cool. Yeah, I, I hadn't um, seen that. I'd, I'd heard of it, but I'd never seen it until you you won that and showed it off, and I got angry. So, but no, it does look quite it does look quite cool. Um, right, well, I guess my favourite is my favourite thing is very much like Jermaine's and and yours, John. Too. It, it sort of changes on a daily basis. I had. Uh, at least two two of the three things I'm about to mention were different last time I um, I talked about this with Jermaine. So my three favourite in my collection, as of the moment anyway, is um, the Icon Collectibles 12-inch statue, which I mentioned earlier that came out uh, in the last year. I just I've, I've got a fair few statues of um, not just the Phantom but other comic characters and stuff as well. And I think of all of the statues I have, this is by far the nicest. It's just absolutely beautifully carved and um, 
and painted. It's hand painted. The stands really nice. It's just everything about it is, is just wonderful. And um, it's not, you know, I suppose when you think, or at least a lot of people when they think of the Phantom, they think of that classic Cy Barry look. It doesn't have that, um, which personally I don't, I don't mind. But it's just. It's really, really nice um, rendition of the Phantom, I think. I absolutely adore that, that statue. I'm very upset that I can't afford the, the colour variants um, that, that they've released. So that would be my pro- probably my first... Oh, not that they're really numbered, but my first favourite. Um, the second one, I'm going to cheat a little bit here and actually include three things as one, and that would be the Defenders of the Earth action figures. Um, I know I said at the start that we don't have many fan of action figures and the ones that we do have aren't great. These I like because of their retro-ness. They're, you know, they were made in the early uh, early mid. I'm not sure exactly now when Defenders of the Earth was came out, but let's say the mid-80s and they're very much a product of their time. They were probably done, you know, a little bit on the cheap and stuff, but I don't know, there's something about them, some sort of very minimal um, quality, very retro quality about them that, that I really like. And I'm happy to say that um, the three I do have, I've only got the Phantom, Mandrake, and Ming. And um, the Phantom and Mandrake are mint on the card. Um, unfortunately, Ming, when I bought him, um, was off the card, but it didn't specify that in the listing. So I contacted the seller and got I think it was about 10 bucks back, which was nice. Um, but I, I quite like those um, figures. Now, my third favourite is something that both you guys probably have. Um, it was from the 25th dinner of the Lee Fork Memorial Bengali Explorers Club, which was um, the wooden invitations. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, yeah. For, for those that obviously uh, weren't able to attend... Um, you may remember in the wedding of the Phantom story, all the invitations sent out to Lawaga and Mandrake and all the guests were on bits of wood that had been cut from a tree in the deep woods and then carved into. The invitations for the 25th dinner of the Memorial Club is exactly that. It's bits of wood that have been, um, I think they've actually been printed onto, not, not carved into, but still it's you know reminiscent of that story. And, of course, being the 25th dinner, it was very special, so they did something very special. And it's just such a um, clever connection to the to the comics. It's something that will probably never be done again. Um, and I don't think you would ever find anyone that went to that dinner that would part with them. So I'd say they'd be something that's very, very rare um, in, in you know, as far as collectibles go, but that's that's probably my one of my favourite things in my collection, and they're beautiful to look at mm. too. I didn't actually piece together that it was similar as what the um the wedding was. I didn't pick really? it up until you just said it. No. That was the first thing I thought of when when <laughs> I saw them there. Um, just out of interest, how many did you guys get? Because I have three: one for myself, one for my partner at the time who went as well, and then I have a small one. As well, a very small one, um, or when I say very small, it's probably about half the size of the other two. And I don't know why I was able to get a third one. Maybe I was just lucky or I flogged one off a table when someone wasn't looking. Um, so did you guys get one each? or? Um, well, I'm like you and had a, uh, had my wife there, which it's always great having a wife there because you get two of each, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I've got two. But I think I did see the little small one as well. 
Yeah, the the bigger ones are quite darker pieces of wood. I'm not sure. I don't actually have the physical things with me, um, so I can't check. But it looks like perhaps they've been um, not laminated. What's what's the word for wood? Uh, treated with with something. But the smaller one has obviously been treated with something different because it's quite a bright uh, wooden color as opposed to the darker oh. color of the other two. So yeah, I'm not sure, but they're they're quite nice items. There's been some great stuff coming out of those um, those dinners. Yeah, there has uh, been. Like some of those, uh, what do you call them? The um, uh, what are they called? Um, like the coasters. Yep. Um, and then I'm just trying to find some of the. I'm organising my room at the moment, so it's all a bit of a mess at the moment. Um, the one of the like the Glen Ford profile on the front. Mm-hmm. Or my other favourite ones are the. Um, Yes, uh, this and then there's the stuff that um that uh Pete Clowes brought over as well and gave away to everyone as well. Yep, and um I'm not sure if it was 2011. I think that was perhaps the first one I went to. Um, it's a little tinned tin like uh sort of um plate, you know, when you're all sitting at a table and they put your name on where you're sitting. Next to that was this little tin sort of stand with Phantom Dinner 2011 uh, Sydney Australia printed on it with a picture of um, a Ray Moore um, Phantom drawing, which which is quite cool. Um, Oh, yeah. And then on the – have you seen the sticker on the back? Yes, yes. Yeah. The the sticker in the back says Made in Bengali. Yeah, yeah, well, I've I've got one here. So, um, yeah, they're quite cool. Um, John, you've probably been going to the dinners a lot longer than Jermaine and I, did they um, put out any cool stuff uh, in the earlier years? or uh, yeah, There's always been a goodies bag. Um, yeah. But um, I, I think sort of, uh, thanks to Bradley, I think they sort of, in the last few years in particular, have been outstanding, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the um, napkins and everything has has been great with some lovely Glenn Ford artwork on them. Yeah, did um did your partner get to use her napkin, or did you like <laughs> pocket them straight away as well? Um, to be honest, I can't remember. I have I have <laughs> napkins from each of the dinners, so obviously one of us <laughs> just made a mess of ourselves and didn't use them. But um, whether it was her or me, I, I don't know. It was probably me. It was probably me. <laughs> did you keep yours as well, John? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I've um, kept everything, you know, from the each time they do a um, what would you call it? I guess a a catalogue of all the things that are on auction and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I've kept kept everything that they've. Um, what I love about with. it is when they've done the wine when they've done the wine bottles. Um, oh, yeah. I to one of them, and I was on a table with with someone, and like they they were the only they they drank like the wine in like. You know, I think there was two bottles on the table, and they drank the wine in like, you know, thirty minutes, like both bottles, mm. and you know, and pocketed the bottles straight away. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I've got a kind of funny story about that too, because it, I didn't think of grabbing a bottle until the end of the dinner, and we were leaving, and um, again, my partner at the time turned around and said, "Did you want one of those bottles?" And I said, "Oh yeah, I didn't think of it, but pro- everyone's probably stolen them already." And she said, "No, there's one over on that table over there. Do you want me to grab it?" And I said, oh, yeah, go for it. She said, oh, it'll probably look a bit less conspicuous, me grabbing it, than 
than um, you. So it was really funny because there was about three or four people um, at the table where this bottle was, and my partner just sort of sidled up and started talking to them casually. And as they sort of turned around to pick up their bags or whatever it was because everyone was leaving at the time, she grabbed it and sort of shoved it into her handbag and bolted for the door. It wasn't exactly subtle, but um, it was nice because when we got back to the hotel room, we found out it was still half full. So... Yeah, was, and you drank it. Are eh? you I, supposed to put the lid on it and keep it? Well, it was it had already been opened, so you know. <laughs> but yes, like, we did drink it. It wasn't wasn't too bad. I'm not a wine drinker at all, but I quite enjoyed that that wine. It's probably the only wine I have enjoyed, to be honest. But still. <laughs> so um, I suppose you, <laughs> I suppose you should carry on. So um, we've talked about all the stuff we have in our collections. Do you guys? Uh, catalog your collections at all, John? I would imagine that would be a hell of a job for you. I started to um, initially, and it just got out of hand, and it's sort of a bit of a mess at the moment. But um, yeah, initially I just had like a word document and a spreadsheet sort of thing, and especially with the comics, um, I was keeping a fairly good record of those. Um, and then I, that, uh, what's, is it Comic Collector, um, um, program came out. I sort of had a look at that and I've got it downloaded. They're ready to go, but, um, I just haven't had time to, to, to put it across. But, um, so the short answer is, um, initially yes, currently no. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but I've got, got a pretty fair indication of, you know, what I've got and what I, what I need sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So do you buy many things that are like, oh, I don't think I've got that, and then you buy it and you put it away and it's like, oh, I've got one of those already? Um, no, not really. I've got a pretty good, uh, I suppose I've got a pretty good memory for that sort of thing, but um, yeah, I'm pretty good with that. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> yeah. um, what about yourself, Jermaine? Do you catalogue? Um, yeah, I catalogue. I used to spitball it and just try and do it based on my memory. Um, but it was uh, after the first dinner I ever I ever went to, I got swine flu being over in Sydney and then got stuck at home for like three days. And um, so I thought, well, I might as well catalogue my collection. So um, what I did is I took photos of everything and uploaded it on, a, um, on Google Photos, which I think at the time it was called Picasar. Yeah. Um, and so I've just basically just continued to do that ever since. Um, I try and be very diligent, very militant about it because, um, like any collection, uh, you know, it can quite easily get out of hold, uh, out of hand. So what I tend to do is I have like a, a section in my fandom room where uh, it's all stuff that I haven't taken photos of and then about once a month or, or something, I'll sit down and take photos and then upload it onto the albums and, you know, put captions and stuff. And So I did it like that because then what I, what I can do is I can view it uh, either at, at work during my lunch break when I'm looking on eBay, like I said, during my lunch break, <laughs> um, or if I'm, you know, out or, or something like that and I'm, you know, scrolling through eBay or all my feeds or something, can I see something? I can then go on Picasar because I've got it on my, you know, on my laptop, on my, you know, iPad, on my phone, and I can kind of view it that way and make sure if I've got it or if I haven't. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's good to be able to access it whenever you you need to. Um, I do pretty much a similar thing to both of you guys. Um, I have used the comic collector software that you mentioned, John, for all my comics. Um, so I've got all my stuff in there, or not just comics, but any kind of publication I put in there, so magazines and things as well. Um, and as for merchandise, so the figures and um, posters and things like that, um, I use Google um, Sheets or, you know, through Google Drive, and I've got a spreadsheet on there, and I list, you know, what the thing is, how much I paid for it, how much it might be worth now, Um and also, I take a photo of it, just like Jermaine does, and up, but I upload mine to Flickr, and then I just link um, from the spreadsheet to the Flickr image and vice versa. So if I ever need, you know, look up an, a thing and go, oh, I can't quite remember what that looks like, I can easily easily check mm. out the image. Um, but yes, like both of you said, it's, it's time-consuming and it can get out of hand very quickly. When I moved house a couple of months ago, um, you know, in the process of packing and unpacking, there was a few things I picked up that I didn't get into the um, into the database, so I'm slowly going through and doing that now. But uh, it's good. It's nice to sort of have an easy way to look at your collection and realise just how much you've got and how much more you need to get. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um like that. It's always what do I need now? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, as an extension of that, do you guys? try and value your collections at all you know use the the price guide johnson's price guide that we mentioned earlier or <laughs> use prices off of ebay or anything like that uh jermaine you're the ebay man you might want to tackle this one first um well i don't use the price guide as much anymore i used to before i'd um I uh, used Picasar to photograph. I used to use a highlighter and then highlight what I had in the price guide and all that. Hang but on, hang on. You have a go at me for opening a mug <laughs> and you're there highlighting the price guide? <laughs> um, oh, it just goes to show what we value more, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was it's so hard carrying around a price guide because, you know, like, it's such a bulky thing, and you know, um, so I don't do that anymore. I have a bit of a squeeze through it. I mainly probably use the CD now these days. Um, but uh, valuing, mentioning the price cards. Um, yeah, so I don't probably use it as much anymore. Mainly as a resource rather than using it as a valuing. I guess seeing I do check out eBay during my lunch break every day. <laughs> Um, Your boss I, this or something? <laughs> I hope not. Um, but it's during my lunch break. Um, um, you kind of have a bit of a an idea for yourself based on you know previous auctions and and stuff like that. What things kind of go for. Um, but yeah, but that's that's probably about how I do it. And I guess it also depends if if it's something you really want, you don't mind paying a little bit extra. Yeah, exactly. Um, like you know, say for instance, if it's a you know if it's a comic or or you know something that you really want, you, don't, you you know you you're more than happy to pay a little bit more just to get it. But if it's something you don't like, you can kind of go, oh, I'm willing to pay this much. And so yeah. I, I guess it all kind of depends on. Um, and with eBay, it all really depends on um, you know it's supply and demand as well. Yeah, of course. 
Um, what about yourself, John? Do you uh, value your stuff? I would imagine you've got some quite valuable items in your collection. Um, yeah, I guess so. But uh, yeah, I don't. Um, I've never really valued it um, or had it valued, sort of thing. Um, and I probably need to do that, but one of these days. But it's just, yeah, it's a huge task. But um, I, I, initially, I did, I did look at the guides a lot. Um, Johnson's guide, in particular, well, it was the only guide, but mm. um, just to give us an idea. But like James said, you know, once you're sort of, um, you know, you're looking at eBay all the time and you're seeing what, you know, like what market value is. Um, it's sort of, you know, after a while, you sort of you get you get a bit of an idea of what it's worth, and you know, if you you see something and you think it's a bargain, or you know, or, or you think it's you know it's it's there's too much on it, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't looked at the price guides for, for ages now. Just um, it's just sort of market value, what you you know, on, on eBay, I guess. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, Do so. Just a, a side question: Does does people do you use other th- other things besides eBay, John? I don't, we, we don't want to tell trade secrets here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, not really, not anymore. Um, Dan, I got um, like I, I kept a lot of um, you know um, like friends of the fandom newsletters and and like Chris Smith um, fandom mania, like I, you know all those. Um, like his website, like I printed all those sorts of things out, you know, back back in, you know, 1999, 2000 sort of thing. So, you know, it's just, I suppose it's just come with, with 20 years worth of collecting, you know, you sort of, you've got a bit of an idea of, of what's actually out there. Um, and, but, you know, you do get surprised, you know, now and again with stuff on eBay that you've never seen before, never heard before. Um, but yeah, like I think it's just, and I'm not trying to, you know, brag or anything here, but I just think after a period of time, you sort of, you know, you've got a general idea of what's out there, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just like, you know, research. You are bragging. <laughs> no, 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 I've just been doing it too long, I guess. <laughs> yeah. For those who don't know, we, we joke and call. Um, uh, it's kind of like, you know, we, whether it's on Facebook or a, a personal discussion, it's like, oh, you've got any information like this? And if you don't, it's always, oh, just go ask John. He'll, he'll know. Yes, he's got one of the most impressive collections, I think, of anybody out there. It's, um, it's ask true. John, he'll know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, like I mentioned before, I, I do put um, values into my database of collectibles if I know what they are, so whether that be from the price guide, um, from uh, eBay. Um, I've, I try to, if I've got a price for something, so say I've bought an item, it comes up on eBay for such and such, um, what I generally do to try and find um, the value of something, or at least the fair uh ballpark figure because of course all these things are just ballpark figures is I'll get whatever prices I might have for that and basically find the average um, of them so you know if if I bought something for $20 and then it comes up on eBay for $20 well you know that's 40 bucks so it's probably still worth about 20 bucks Um, 
so that that's kind of my rule of thumb. Just find the average. Um, but I haven't really been hugely diligent in that. It is something I'm interested in, but really just for interest sake, because I don't think I'd ever be selling anything. Um, that's for any future possible kids to worry about. Um, one thing I will mention really quickly, um, though, on the point of the value of comics in particular is, uh, and I did post an article about this a long time ago on the website, so most people have probably forgotten it or weren't looking at the website um, at the time, but um, there is a website, comicbookrealm.com, and it is a comic book value website, and they track in real time um, comic book values and it's all added by hand um, and from what I can tell of looking through it it seems fairly accurate and they have uh, pretty much every through issue on there um, oh, wow. so if you're interested in finding out the value of your collection you can go there and check it out and the brilliant thing about comic book realm is if you sign up with an account um, you can actually add all the comics you have to a virtual collection on the website, and then uh, if an issue goes up or down in value, when you log on next time, it will come up on your profile page telling you which items have increased or decreased in value. So it's a really easy way of keeping uh, track of it. So, you know, I thought people mm. out there might be interested in that. It is an American website, so it's fairly impressive that they have... Um, through on there and of course they've got all the American stuff as well and I haven't looked much more into it but I'd be surprised if they didn't have Wolf and you know some of the other stuff they mightn't have the Scandinavian issues but um, English English issues they seem to be pretty well covered for um, so I just sort of rediscovered that website recently so I thought I'd mention it um, so I suppose the next thing seeing we're talking about values is whether we ensure our Collections. Um, Jermaine, I believe you recently got your uh, collection insured? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, I, there's several ways you can do it. Um, you can do it as a, a specific collection um, and like get everything valued by people and then they'll give you an amount and stuff like that. Like There's, there's companies out there that do it. Um, like there's Shannon's, which do um, like cars and stuff like that. So there are you know, um, specific collect, uh, insurances that can do that for you. What I ended up doing is I just went, I get my car and house and all that with RAC. Um, so it's all insured with all that type of stuff, you know, I get roadside and all that type of stuff through one company. And I asked them about, I said, i got a collection um, a Phantom Comics, they kind of looked at me weird, like, you know, Phantom Comics is, you know, people collect that, but um, <laughs> never mind. Um, and then they just said, well, what's it basically, what's it roughly worth? And I said, oh, it's, I said, oh, about, you know, 30 grand. And I said, okay, we'll insure the whole collection for 30 grand. And so it, to pay for that, it, it went with my house and contents insurance. So, You've got your house insurance, which is, say, for instance, if the house burns down, how much is the house value? And you've got your contents, which is, you know, your washing machine, your fridge, your beds, your clothes and all that. And then I've got a collectible part of that as well. So if my whole house burnt down, I would get, you know, say, 30 grand for the contents, 
you know, whatever whatever it is for the house, and then I'll get another thirty grand for my Phantom collection. So that's how I did it. It was quite, it was a lot simpler than what um, some other people have been looking at doing. And yeah, I probably need to move it up a little bit, but that's how I've insured mine. Cool. What about yourself, John? Have you got your collection insured? Um, not specifically, no. It's just like contents as well, but. Um yeah, I, I, I've only looked at it a couple of times and like to individually um, value, I guess, each individual piece and like they'll, they'll accept it that like a, the local comic shop store owner sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, like I've sort of been going there for 20 years, so he knows me pretty well. And if I was like to do up a spreadsheet with a with a value, I guess, at a Johnson's, which is, you know, 10 years old, I guess, but... Um, along those lines and take it in like they, they would accept I would think um, well, I understand it they would accept his his um, like valuation of it sort of thing but it's a lot of work mm. to, to individually do it so I, I need to do a little bit more research into that as well sort of thing mm, yeah um, I actually haven't got mine insured um, because like I mentioned a little bit earlier I've recently moved um into my own unit so I need to get my content sorted for that cuz I've only been here a few months so I haven't really had time to look into it but um I think I'll probably do the same thing as Jermaine I'll, I'll say to them look I do have a collection can we just call that part of the contents and if they say yes then you know I'll I'll do it that way because yeah. I have heard of people who have done um the thing where they've got each individual item and figured out how much each individual thing was and then added it all up and it's cost them a hell of a lot of money. So, yeah, the, the, the cheaper option's probably better. Yeah, I work for a company that um, um, they actually do valuations for banks and for insolvencies and insurance claims and stuff like that. And basically what you have to do is you almost have to... You've got to write... And this is for every item, so... You know, yeah. even for a collection which is my size, which, you know, is probably maybe about a third of the size as John's, it'll be a daunting task. So you've got to take a photo of every item, and you've got to write at what it is, and then you do a a market value, and then you do, like, an insurance topic. So you have, like, two different values as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, so so my, so my the guys at my work, they might value, a um, uh, like, a, a truck or something that's worth... You know, uh, you know, like a, a couple of million, or you know, a couple hundred thousand, or something. But then they then charge like about a thousand dollars just to do a valuation of just like one truck. Yeah. So, you know, if you do it uh, like that way, it, it is a lot. It is a lot of um, a lot of man man hours that you have to pay for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because you got to you got to prove that you've got it, and then you got to prove that it's in that condition because. Like, for instance, like, oh, let's just use through number one. If you have that in mint condition, it's worth over 100000 But if you have it in really poor condition or it's the replica, mm-hmm. it's worth next to nothing. So that's why you have to take a photo of every single thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, a hell of a task. And, you know, when you think of not only the merchandise but the individual issues of, as well, oh. it's just... Yeah, do your brain in. Um, right, well, let's let's go from um, talking about talking about insurance to discussing what we think the most valuable Phantom collectibles out there might be. Now, I'm sure 
um, through issue one, which Jermaine just mentioned, is probably the most valuable, or if not the most, it'd be pretty highly up there. Um, I think we saw it, Jermaine, at... Uh, was it Supernova or Comic Fest or something? And it was about um, 75 grand, I think. Yeah, and it wasn't a very good condition one either. Righto. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've seen, you know, like average condition ones, you know, sell. Uh, I think I saw one which was a coverless one, and that went for, um, you know, that was going for like, you know, like 10 grand or something like that. Yep. I'm sure John might be able to fill in a bit more about that. Uh, no, not really, mate. I, Do you yeah. have one? No. No, <laughs> um, yeah. th- there's not a heck of a lot out there, is there? I know Fru's got one, and I think there might be two or three people that have a copy, but I don't think there's many out there that are in good nick. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. I've got no idea. I, um, I sort of made a decision a long time ago not to worry too much about trying to find early Fru editions, so I sort of went down the... Um, the avenue of original artwork sort of thing. I made a choice to get, do original art rather than try and collect, you know, I suppose under a hundred and through. So yeah, uh, I've only just sort of seen, you know, what's yeah, like like Supernova and stuff like that. And, and you do hear snippets from time to time, but um, yeah, I don't I don't really take too much notice. Fair enough. Um, it's an interesting point, actually. You kind of make there with not bothering about the um, earlier issues because now we've got um, things like the Hermes collections um, that are reprinting all that stuff. I wonder how many people are actually interested in buying um, older issues. Now, Fru obviously is a little bit different because they have the European store, uh, sorry, the Scandinavian um, stories printed as well, but up to a point it was just the newspaper strip. So I wonder if there's any fans who have recently, you know, in the last five, ten years or whatever, started getting into the fandom and thought, oh, well, maybe I'll go back and get those old through issues or if they're just going to get the collected editions instead. Because I know um, in the US market, so American comics, back issue sales have taken quite a hit since um, the collections, the graphic novel collections have become a lot more popular and readily available. So I wonder if the fandom's experiencing the same thing. Um, I, I think, you know, a lot to do, it's a lot to do with nostalgia, I think, um, with early proofs, like a lot of people who grew up with those comics. Yeah. I think that would be your biggest market. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people who were, um, you know, kids in the late 40s and early 50s and who had those comics and, and you know, all the stuff that Prue put out with them, like the, the rubber stamp rings and, and those sorts of things. You know, it's that nostalgia that drives that market, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I sort of, and I, you know, I went down to 500 and I've probably, I've probably got, you know, 200 issues under 500, but I've never really... I've never really um, gone out of my way to, to track down the other, other um, issues. Yeah. I, um, and I suppose that's because maybe I got introduced to like original comic art 
in the late 90s and I just, you know, and, and the, the prices were similar, you know, you could either, you could either have an original page of art or, or an original strip. Yeah. You know, the same price as you were paying for, a, you know, an issue in the hundreds sort of thing, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I guess that, you know, some people, you know, um, just choose what they want to collect, I guess, and put their collections in. But mm. like, if you, you just can't collect everything, with the fandoms, it's like Spider-Man and Batman. Like there's just there's just too much stuff, and like you can you can give it a good go and try and get it, but um, at the end of the day, like it, and I think as you as you get older, I think um, you sort of choose um, yeah like an avenue, whether it be comic art or or early throughs or you know overseas issues or um or or collectibles, you know. Yeah, it's um it's kind of also I think. For, for a lot of people, it's the price issue. Like, I know when I started collecting um, the Phantom, I was probably, when I originally thought, yeah, I'm going to start collecting these comics, I was probably around the 13, 14 years old, and I decided I'm going to get everything from 900 on. And I achieved that, and then once I'd achieved that, I kind of had no interest in going further than that. And mainly it was because once you got over 900 for me personally the um prices per issue were just ridiculous um well not ridiculous but they were more than i really wanted to spend um on on the issues especially seeing at that point um jim had had come in so he started to reprint a lot of the uh newspaper strips in you know the annuals and things like that so i was kind of the mindset of you know i can buy a new issue for whatever it was two dollars or whatever you know at the time versus you know thirty forty dollars per issue um of the older stuff so it, it was a monetary thing really really for me um like like well, yourself, John, yeah. I've a few issues before um, 900. I've got a couple of um, 800s, and I think I have one or two 700s, but I've no interest in sort of filling the gaps in from from those points either. Um, what about what yourself, Jim? Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, well, I was just going to say what I find interesting about the fruits is that um, is that they 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 bring. They bring in more money than what, like, any other comic of the Phantom. Like, even if you um, look at the comics that were produced uh, and published before number one of the Fruit, like, you've got, you know, you've got Brazilian one, you've got some from Italy and all that, and France and all that. They don't go for as much as what uh, a number one of um, Free goes for. It's, 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 it's like, even, you know, even in the Swedish ones and all that, like, they don't, they don't go for as much. I picked up a 1948 Swedish comic and in mint condition, and it cost me a hundred bucks. Mm. Yeah. Um, where you know a 1948 free comic in mint condition, you're not going to get it for a hundred bucks. No, no, probably ten times that amount. Yeah. So it's it's something that I find interesting is that it's almost only just in a in the um. Um, in the Australian market that the back issues are so pricey and hard to get a hold of. And, and even New Zealand, I guess, to a certain extent as well. Yeah. 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 Do, do you think maybe it's because it's got that legacy behind it? Like, Fru's been going since, like you say, the 1940s without stopping. 
So there's a hell of a lot of history, and I know um, that when you value things, you have to consider the history of that item. You know, yeah. if you're doing it 100% correctly, you need to consider the the history of that item. So if it's got, what is it, almost 80 years of history attached to it, it's probably going to be worth a lot more than, you know, a series that might have started beforehand but only went for, you know, 100 issues or something as opposed to, what are we, almost 2,000 now? 1,700-odd. Yeah. Well, that's almost 2,000. <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but yes, no, you're right. You do, you do make an interesting point. Um, it, it is quite quite strange, but that's the only thing I can think of, the history connected to it. And I suppose the, the Phantom is considered, rightly or wrongly, to be the Australian superhero. Like, it's the kind of superhero that all Australians have been exposed to at some point. Um, obviously, that might be changing a little bit now because of the Marvel movies and all that sort of stuff, but um, most people, even if they've never read a Phantom comic, will know who he is. Like, I teach kids um, at school now that um, I will show a picture of the Phantom too, and they instantly know who he is, straight away. Um, um, but you might show them a picture of um, Doctor Strange, because he's one of my favourite characters he just popped into my head but a lot of people won't know who he is even though he's Marvel there's a movie coming out soon he has been in video games and cartoons and stuff the same kids don't know who he is but yet they know who the Phantom is so I think it's that cultural thing as well Um, so that probably affects the price and like John said it's a nostalgia Thing. So the culture, the history, the nostalgia, all that would go into driving the price up for those that are buying it. I think I think also um, Johnson's price guide does play a part in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's something I wanted to ask you, John. Um, Johnson's has been accused often um, of inflating Phantom Collectibles prices. Do you think that's a valid argument? Um, I think I know your answer, but... <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's hard for me to say because I, I mean, I, I sort of live in a in a provincial city um, in Queensland. Like I'm not in the capital city, so I don't really know what like comic dealers were selling them for. Like yeah. when when he when he's, and I mean, it, he had a pretty fair idea, I think, of the market. Like in the early proofs, especially, um, mm. and like. I wasn't exposed to anything like that from up here. Like, and I think it's something more in like in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Um, you know, where where you've got comic dealers there that was that were trading all the time. So, yeah, I think he had a fair idea of what the market was. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I mean, he's always said that it's just a guide. You know, it's, it's not yeah. got. Um, the problem. The problem is, you know, is that once. Once the average Joe Blow sees that sort of price, I mean that's what they expect. Yeah. Um, trading trading does play a side of things, and they just see, oh, I've got a fan comic, you know, number sixty-five sort of thing. You know, it's got to be worth it's got to be worth three or four, five hundred dollars. You know, sort of thing. When when made, it's only because of its poor grade, it's only worth twenty bucks or something like that. So yeah. I think it confused a lot of people. I think it, you know, it, 
as soon as it came out, every um, every second-hand bookshop, you know, had a copy of it behind the yeah. counter. And as soon as you went in there and and tried to, to, to grab a comic, you know, they'd be pulling that out. Sort of yep. thing. So, yeah, it, 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 it certainly influenced prices. Um, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I... Um um, have heard from a lot of people um, that, you know, basically what you said, John, that that um, people would have a copy of the price guide behind the counter. You'd go up, you'd say, I want to buy these Phantom Comics. They'd look up how much it was in the price guide and then add, you know, 30 40 50% so they'd make a decent um, margin on it, which yeah. then would inflate the price continuously. So, yeah, yeah. I, whether that is as true as some people try and make it out to be and whether it had the effect that's as bad as some people have said it has, I'm, I don't know. But, yeah, a lot of people have said that to me. Yeah, that's right. But um, at the end of the day, it certainly had an influence on prices, that's for sure. Mm. You know, and, and I guess that's like any price guide in, in any in any collecting medium, you know, as soon yeah. as that, Yeah. Um, well, yeah, well, I, I went into um, a second-hand shop recently and bought some back issues not phantom different um titles but as soon as i took them to the counter the bloke had his copy of the overstreet price guide on the desk you know looking up yeah. how much they were so yeah. um yeah you're, you're right it happens everywhere yeah. but um on but that yeah, I, I, sorry i just thought you know remember you know when we used to go to the book exchange when we were kids you know you'd be exchanging them for 10 or 20 cents each yeah yeah yeah. Maybe back in your day, not in my day. It was about a dollar fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, on that same token, people must have been buying them for those prices, or eventually they would have stopped selling them. Like if you no, know, that's right. I mean, it's supply and demand. I mean, there's only a certain, especially in the higher grades. You know, there's only a certain because because of, of the quality of the paper, and, and I guess you know, I don't think Australian collectors have, have really. Only until probably the last fifteen or twenty years, you know, with with, um, with comic bags and boards and stuff like that, and preservation. I mean, preservation is a is a pretty important part of of any collecting, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I still shudder when I hear of people storing them in um, three ring binders and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, each to their own. Um. Right, well, I suppose we should um, move on to the next topic. So we've talked about the expensive stuff. We've talked about what you do once you've got the expensive stuff. But what about good items to start off a collection with for those listeners that might be, you know, just starting their fandom collections? Um, could you guys think of anything that would be, you know, affordable and I suppose easily available for new collectors? John, do you want to have a crack at this first? Um, yeah, oh, look, I guess eBay is, is the, is the big thing there. Um, um, and there are bargains to be had on there. I, I think it, people, it's good to just sit back, you know, and just keep an eye on, watch what the prices, you know, are coming, maybe for the first, you know, first four or six weeks and just see what sort of prices are getting. But, um, you know, I think people have got the tendency to, Say, oh, look at that, and you know, oh, I want that, and you, you see it all the time. Some some items will go for ridiculous amounts of money when, you know, two weeks later, they, you, know, you know, they might go for half that sort of thing. So, yeah, you know, there's plenty of bargains to be had on eBay. Um, yeah, and 
if you, you know, so if if you're in Australia, you know, just just stay trading in Australia for a while until you until you get the hang of eBay and, and what's happening, and then you know, slowly branch out to the US and those other places. Like the postage is a killer, of course, but um, mm. um, but yeah, like you know, now with with some of those other items becoming available, like the coffee mugs and the bobbleheads and those sorts of things, like they're still probably a little bit expensive for the, some of the, the younger collectors, but um, yeah. I think eBay is probably the you know, it's probably the only place at the moment to to pick up bargains. Yep. The yeah. good the good thing about eBay is that you can, especially if you're interested in say collecting fruits or something, is that there's a lot of dealers that will have like like a big group, so they might have like you know like uh, comics say one thousand and five hundred to like one thousand and six hundred. And they might be selling them for like you know a hundred bucks or, or or you know one hundred and fifty bucks or something. So like that's that's always always worth looking for if you're starting off and you're wanting to get those back issues. Is is that when you're on eBay because you can get a whole bulk of them, you know, for under you know for a real good price, you know, a dollar or two a comic. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Bulk buying is always good if you if you can manage it. Has anyone ever gone to any exchange bookstores or anything like that? Do, they, do comics, do you still get Phantom comics there? Um, yeah. you, you do. Not probably as often as previously, but yeah, you do get them every now and then. Because I, I remember as a kid when I was first collecting, I would go there probably two, three times a week. Because mm. well, what, there was two comic stores in, um, or two book, second-hand bookstores in, um, uh, in Geraldton, and what they would do is they'll have a whole heap. They'll only put out a couple at a time because they want people to keep going and getting them. And so, you know, I would go there two, three times a week. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been to one for years. Well, it's it's one of these things that um, you, you're never going to know what's there unless you go in. Now, you could go in and there'd be absolutely nothing. You could go in and there might be one or two, or you could go in and it'd be, you know, a bucket load. Um, I've had both experiences sadly more often it's the first one where there's nothing um or the stuff they do have i've already got but that's just because my collection you know has obviously grown um but i've had a couple of success stories there was a secondhand shop which is sadly closed um just a couple of minutes down the road from me and they had a heap of fruit issues and I bought them all and I think they were selling them for a dollar, two dollars each, somewhere around there. So it was probably, you know, maybe sixty, seventy dollars worth of comics. Um and when I got home and looked at Johnson's price guide, again, you know, ignoring how wrong or right those prices might have been, um, you know, because it was a few years after it had been published, the valuation was a lot more than I paid. Um similarly um, I went to a second-hand, uh, sorry, a charity shop um, a few towns across from where I am at the moment and found a little uh, phantom wallet, just one of those, you know, Velcro fold wallets that they wanted 50 cents for. I got home and had a look in Johnson's guide and it was worth 10 bucks. So according to the guide, so, you know, every now and then you, you do find the good things, but you've just got to keep looking. That's That's pretty much it. Just keep mm. looking. And the thing is with second-hand stores and antique stores and um, charity shops, like you say, they're always getting new stuff in because that's the nature of their business. So you might go there one week and there'll be nothing, and you go back the next and there'll be something there. 
So, you know, it's just one of those things you've got to keep checking up on. Um, one thing I would suggest uh, new collectors check out um, is the collector cards. The, um, the movie ones in particular, I've seen full sets of the movie cards on eBay quite often going for around $20, $30. Um, now, I will admit that it's just the base set, so your base 90 cards, they don't come with the, um, the Joe Jusco beautiful um, cards. They don't come with the special skull cards, but still, a full set of those cards for 20 bucks, you can't really go wrong with that because it's quite a nice set. There's some interesting um, elements in that card series because there is actually cards showing scenes that were cut from the final movie because, of course, the card set was produced concurrently or very close to the movie um, being made. So there's actually scenes depicted in that card set that aren't in the film. So just from that point of view, it's quite interesting. Um, the dynamic images sets are a little bit more expensive, and I haven't seen many of the gallery cards on online, but um, the Phantom movie ones in the Phantom Collector Card Series 1 and 2 seem to appear quite often. Yeah. yeah. I think also if you're, if you're a, new, a new collector, whether you're young, um, you know, like teenagers like what we were when we first started collecting, or whether you're, you know, older and you're getting back into it, is, um, is probably Facebook is one of them where you can, you know, connect with people in your area or, you know, you can probably buy and sell off other collectors. But mm-hmm. also, like, befriending a couple of people who have got bigger collections than you. <laughs> um, yeah. Because it, 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 it inspires you, like, you know, like, you know, I know when I first started getting into it, you know, I would, you know, talk to John and, you know, and some of these other guys and, you know, they would send me photos of what they've got and, and stuff like that. And it was just, you know, it was amazing and it was kind of give you an idea of what's out there, what you could, you know, what you could save up, what you could buy. And occasionally, you know, some of these guys would have doubles of stuff and all that that you could, you know, pick up and, 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 and stuff like that, which is always nice because it means you're buying off someone, you know, that you actually, you know, uh, can trust rather than sometimes being a bit of a lottery on eBay. Yeah, exactly. And and you make you know friends for life, and it's a wonderful thing when you you know know these people who have similar interests because they're always willing to help you out. I get emails from um, Will Jermaine with the Phantom 204 stuff, and um, Bradley Peach, who we've had on here before, has uh, contacted me, letting me know about things that he's seen or. Um, he's always saying if there's anything I want, let him know, and if he's got spares, he'll send them across. And so it, it's great. And you know, you might be able to help them out too. Sometimes there's stuff that even though people have been collecting for years, they just haven't been able to find a certain item, and um, you might be able to pick pick it up. I remember when the Phantom movie came out, they released a school bag, a backpack um, of the Phantom in the in the Slam Evil pose from the poster. And there was a guy who I don't think he's involved much in the community anymore. You might have, you might know him, John. I'm not sure. His name was Philip 
uh, I think it was he was Asian, so I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but it was Philem Chin Kwan, I think was how his name was pronounced, and I met him at a comic convention, and we just got talking, and I happened to have that backpack on, and he said to me, I've never been able to find that, where did you get it from? And I said, and this was in Sydney, so, you know, one of the biggest cities in Australia, and I said, I picked it up at my local toy store, and at that time I was living in a small rural town, and he said, get me one, ship it to me, and I'll send you a whole heap of stuff, and that's exactly what he did. I paid 20 bucks for the bag and sent it off to him, and he probably sent me at least $100 worth of gear. So it's always good to make those connections because you never know when they'll be able to help you out. Mm, definitely. Um, uh, something that else I would recommend that new collectors check out is uh, something that John mentioned earlier, and that's the mugs. The mugs always seem to be coming up on eBay. They're always cheap, but they're always awesome. And I don't just mean the new heat-changing mug that has just been released. There are plenty of others, um, thanks to a company called Monkeys of Melbourne, who produced heaps and heaps of stuff in the 90s. And I think the 80s, too, they were doing stuff, weren't they? Or am I getting that confused with someone else? But anyway, there's heaps and heaps of Phantom mugs out there, and they're generally around the $15, $20 mark, and they're very nice. So um, that's something else to look into. Hey, Joe? Yep. There's a heat-changing Phantom 2040 mug, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> send me the link. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll send you a photo. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a photo of that as well. No, that, send it to me. Forget Jermaine. He's got enough 2040 stuff. <laughs> But I won't be putting hot water in it. No. <laughs> I haven't put hot water in my um, current one either, so, yeah. I just thought I'd throw it in there, mate. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I'm going to have to go looking for that now. <laughs> cool. Right. Well, um, I suppose that's pretty much everything um, we want to cover this episode, but there's one last question um, I've got for you guys. Well, actually, it was Jermaine's suggestion to me cover this, so blame him. Um, what is the one item that you would sell your kidney for to have in your collection? John, you're the guest. You've got the beast collection. Is there one thing that you're still dying to have as part of your Phantom collection? Oh, there's heaps of things that I still want to get. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd sell a kidney for it anymore, though, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good, you know, the fun part about it, like... Um, there's, there's just so much stuff there that, you know, if you just sort of poke along, it's nice, steady, you know. It, like, I still hope to be doing this in 20 years' time, sort of thing, so. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm still chasing a, a Sirocco figure. Like, I've had an opportunity previously, but, I, you know, I just I didn't take it for one reason or another. But um, So that's, that's one item. But there, there's, you know, there's plenty of nice stuff out there to, to find. There's plenty of um, great original artwork. Um, yeah, and it just seems to be stuff popping up on eBay all the time that, you know, you've never seen before, so it's, um, yeah. yeah. We should um, yeah. probably just mention quickly for those that might know, the Phantom Sirocco uh, figure is considered to be the first Phantom figure ever made. It's actually made of wood um, and hand-painted. Um, was made in 1944 and um, goes for a quite nice sum of money if you can find it in good condition so yeah very desirable um and very very rare i would say as well um so do you have any um i'm just trying to think john 
uh, helping you with the question of what you would sell your kidney for. <laughs> what about some uh, Ray Moore artwork or Don Newton or something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, eventually, mate, all in good time. Um, <laughs> I think I'd, I'd rather keep my kidney these days, though. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Too much drinking. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't, I don't uh, drink, so I should just sell my kidney. I don't need it. <laughs> um, what about yourself, Jermaine? What are you after? Um, what would I sell my kidney for? Um... Probably, probably to finish off the, the Phantom comics from around the world. So of those five, you know, South Africa, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Slovakia, Slovakia, and Slovenia. I'll be, I'll be very happy once I can finish that off. Um, it's, 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 it's almost like that. You know, it's just laughing at me. You know, like oh, you can't get it, you can't get it. So it's one of those things that you know. I've, I set a goal for myself, you know, five six years ago to be able to finish off that. You know, all five of them, I'll be more than happy to give you my kidney. Um, so if there's anyone out there that has all five and they're willing, they need a new kidney, please get in contact with me. <laughs> I wonder how many black market people you'll have contact with. <laughs> well, if they've got those comics, yeah. they can have it. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> oh, craziness. Um, for myself, again, kind of like my favourite... Um, my favourite item in my collection. This kind of changes for me on a fairly regular basis. Um, for a long time, it was the... Uh, I can't think of the company. I think it was Monkeys of Melbourne, but I could be wrong. John will probably have this in his collection, so he can correct me if I am wrong. Um, a Phantom teapot and teacup, and I think it was an egg cup as well, set that was triangular in shape. Um, for a long, long time, I, I wanted to get that um, as part of my collection, but it has recently changed. Um, the item I would sell my kidney for now is actually a Phantom 2040 item, surprise, surprise. And the reason for this is not just because it's 2040, but because it has a very special place in Phantom um, Australian history. So it's the Phantom 2040 video game, but not just... The, the Sega one specifically, but not just the game itself. In um, the late 90s, Sega of Australia, who existed at the time, were producing what has become known as the Big Box Editions, which basically was um, the video game and some special items in a giant plastic, uh, sorry, not plastic, cardboard box. And they were only ever released in Australia, being a um, Sega of Australia uh, initiative. And they're extremely rare. They're extremely hard to find now in good condition, obviously due to the um, cardboard nature of the box and cardboard being so hard to keep in any sort of condition. Um, so as far as the 2040 um, big box edition is concerned, it came obviously with the game, but it also came with the um, Glow Zone Phantom stickers, which um, most people probably have on their own. Um, and also a Phantom key ring. So the reason being um, that it's Phantom 2040, the reason being that it was only ever released in Australia, and right towards the end of the 16-bit era, so the Mega Drive era um, of video games, and that's an era I'm also very interested in, sort of all combined to make it probably the most wanted item, Phantom item at the moment. 
that might change again in another couple of months, but you never know. <laughs> I've only ever seen one on eBay, and it went for two hundred bucks or oh, two hundred. Well, the one I saw was two hundred and forty something, but yeah, they, I have seen other, not the Phantom one, but I have seen other big box editions. There was a Batman Forever one that went for around the five hundred dollar mark um, a couple of years ago. So yeah, there's one on there at the moment, isn't there? Or there has been in the last. There has been one on there for a while, but it's a That's bit seven hundred bucks. Yeah, it's a bit too expensive for me. Um, but yeah, so that's that's, that's the Sydney worth. Um, I don't know <laughs> to be honest. Um, I'm just looking at eBay now, and there is a complete Phantom Two Hundred Four video game for the Mega Drive, just the regular copy though. And it's seventy dollars, although that is a buy it now price, and they tend to be more expensive anyway. Um, but yeah, so that game is is fairly desirable in itself. But you add the big box to it, and the price skyrockets because um, again, it was released very late in the Mega Drive's lifespan, and it wasn't released in huge quantities. Um, so you have a rare item, and then you make it even rarer, and things tend to explode. So. I would sell my kidney for it, but I don't even know if a kidney would cover the cost. <laughs> right, well, um, I think that pretty much covers everything we were going to talk about this episode. Do you guys want to mention anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, no, look, I'd just like to say thanks very much for the invite, and uh, it's been good fun. Oh, well, very glad to have you, John. We're more than happy to have you back. Maybe we'll do another collectibles um, episode in a couple of months' time if more cool stuff keeps coming out like it has been right well um thank you very much john for joining us on this episode of expand it's been great to have you and of course jermaine thank you as always my pleasure mate yeah even if you did tease me about all the 204 stuff you've got (laughs) (laughs) right guys thank you very much for listening to this collectibles special of expand the phantom podcast as always, you can find the main website at chroniclechamber.com. You can contact us on Facebook at um, the Chronicle Chamber Phantom fan page or on the Phantom Collectors page. Uh, if you have any cool collectibles that you want to share or talk about or generally just brag about your awesome Phantom room, then feel free to post stuff up there. We are also on Twitter, which you can um, find us at chronicle underscore tweet and we are also on google plus which uh you can find just by searching um phantom fan page on the google plus community page if you have any questions comments contact us on any of those social media outlets or email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com um thanks again everyone for listening hope you join us for the next episode see you later guys